Again, welcome to week one of Promised Land. Five weeks, five promises, five verses from God, and we pray that you are blessed uh, as we get to unpack them in our life of faith to help us move from fear and panic in difficult times, uncertain times, to, to having thoughts, feelings, and behavior that flow from faith and not fear that bring peace and remove doubt. A little over a year ago, CNN did a survey of Americans. And the basis of that survey, the focus of that survey was to see where Americans were at, what their mindset was, how they felt about mental health and the situation in America. So one year ago, when surveyed, 90% of Americans said that we have a mental health crisis in our country. Now, I know some of you work in that field and you would say, the evidence is there. And so... CNN, in their survey, asked a bunch of questions, and, and here are the questions that they asked to, to really gauge and see why 90% of people believe there's a mental health crisis. They asked people in, in America, how's your life going in, in regards to enjoyment? And 55, one out of every two Americans said they're unable to enjoy life because of stress. The number goes up for for people who are millennials and Gen Zers, 65 and 64% respectively say their stress is at an all-time high. Why are Americans stressed? 80% are stressed about the cost of living. 73% are stressed about inflation. 61% are stressed about their personal finances. And here's maybe a reason why. Out of all those people surveyed, 44% they skipped a meal because they could not afford it. Not because they are fasting as a result of a... Uh, eating plan, no, because they could not afford food. Forty-three percent of Americans said because of stress they're overeating to cope. Forty percent are drinking alcohol to deal with stress. Half of Americans are stressed about a poor work-life balance. And nearly one in two Americans, forty-five percent, consider the 2020s the most stressful decade of the past 60 years. Like, I know sometimes we forget in our brains, but so many people believe that we are in the crisis of all crises when it comes to mental health right now. Now, I didn't live during the 60s and 70s, but the race wars and Vietnam and a lot of things tell me that within the last 60 years, there have been other stressful decades. So why, is, in today's day and age, is this the case? Well, 90% of Americans believe that we have a mental health crisis, but I need you to hear something loud and clear. Before I say part two, two things you need to hear loud and clear. The first one is this. My disclaimer is I do not want to minimize the mental health crisis that perhaps exists in our world today. I don't want to minimize mental health issues in any way, shape, or fashion. If you wrestle with anxiety, if you are dealing with depression, if you have some sort of chemical uh, issue that's caused a disorder of one thing or another, if you've gone through a serious trauma, if you've been abused, what I'm about to say next, I, please hear me loud and clear. I do not want to minimize those issues. They are real. There are people to help. And I don't want to make it, you feel minimized in any way, shape, or fashion. And I say that because I also need to say this. Like most experts would tell you, this whole idea that 90% of us believe there's a mental health crisis, did you catch what was a part of it? Like, none of us would disagree with that statement, but the why should have caught you off guard. Because we're stressed. 
Like most experts in the area of mental health, most people for the longest period of time, while they might attach stress a little bit to it, stress is not normally considered a mental health problem. Stress is a life reality. Stress, in and of itself, if you're taking notes, is our body's response to pressure. Like it's a part of our biological makeup that when there's pressure from things that happen in our life, unexpected events, triggered when we don't have control, sometimes threatening the sense of ourself, stress is our body's response to a weight, to a pressure. And last time I checked, 2020 and this decade is no different than 1960 or 1520 or 670 or 30 AD or any time before that. And I bring all that up because before we get into this series, I want you to understand something. Mental health is not what we're trying to address in this series in and of itself. Like to to eliminate the mental health crises that exist in our country is not the goal. The goal is to bless you in a life where you will deal with pressure and stress, difficulties and challenges, uncertainties and issues that are real to everyone. And so as we dig into this series, I I need you to understand the direction we're going and the goal of why we're going there. Now, if you don't believe me, Jesus himself said in his word, this reality, that in this life, stress, the pressure that comes from it, the reality that's behind it, you will experience it. In this life, you will have trouble. The night before he died, he's gathered around the people that he loves. He's about to go through the ultimate stress, the ultimate ringer, the the ultimate pressure of carrying the sins and burdens of the world, taking his life and having his arms and his feet nailed to a cross, dealing with the rejection of his heavenly father. Like, he got and understood that this world is one where you will face and endure trouble. So you and I will endure trouble, which means you and I will deal with and have to face uncertainty, unknowns, times when we're not in control, times when things don't go our way, times when there's loss and brokenness, a whole lot of pressure and stress. Now, stress can cause mental health issues if left unaddressed. Stress can make things worse in your life. I have no doubt about that. It plays into mental health. I'm not going to minimize it. But there are things that God would have you hear as we deal with the troubles of life to help you guard your hearts. And sometimes when the pressure builds, we forget the most important resource we have, the promises of God. Like when the pressure builds and fear grows, the devil works and weaves a whole lot of lies Because he knows when when the pressure builds and and fear is real, you are prone to attack. And I would post to you this, that it's what we believe in the moments when, when, when pressure is high, when uncertainty happens, when loss is real, when, when circumstances are challenging and tough, how we respond in those moments when that pressure and stress rise will affect our behavior. Like, Literally, listen to what people say uh, when it comes to stress and this being one of the most stressful times in their life. It, it affects our behavior. 
46% of people in that survey reported they ate too much or ate unhealthy due to stress. Like half of you, if 90% of us are stressed, you're, you're affecting your body by what you're putting into it. 29% said they increased their drinking. 16% said they started or increased their smoking. Like behaviorally, it affects us. Psychological effects, you know, 51% of adults said that feeling stress also was connected to depression and, and being anxious. Like that, that's real, that happens. 16% of people harm themselves as a result. One in three had suicidal thoughts as a result. 37% said it caused them to feel lonely. Relational effects, 20% said they snapped under stress, it had mood swings under, under stress, screamed and yelled at loved ones. 20% identified those. Like, this is real. And so is that. Which is why promises are so important in times when there is uncertainty, when we're thinking about the future, when there is unknown, when circumstances are challenging, we don't know what's going to happen. Now, this series is called Promise Land, so I want you to have a working idea of what promise and the definition of promises is. Do you know what a promise is? I'm going to write it down. There's no blanks in your notes, so you're going to have to write this all down. I added this after the fact because I'm like, you can't have a series on promise land and not set up people for what your idea of promise is and what it means. A promise is a guarantee or assurance about unseen slash future things. Like I don't say to my wife, as I'm put, taking the pizza out of the freezer, as I turn on the oven, as I open it up and put the pizza in, hey honey, I promise you that I will make the pizza. Like she's right there in the room, she's watching it, she's seen it happen, I don't have to promise her, she's seeing the actual work. But there are some days where like she's working and I tell her, hey, I think I'm gonna get home before you. I promise that, that I'll start dinner. Like it's in the future and it's an assurance about something that's going to happen later. Like parents, how many of you make promises to your kids? Like sometimes they'll ask you, like daddy, mommy, are you going to be at my game tonight? Yes, I'll be there. Like it gives them an assurance about a, a future thing to help give them what? A little peace. <laughs> Like we make promises to, to people that we love. Hey, I'll take care of that. You don't have to worry about that. Like, I know you've been recovering from your surgery. I'll come over and I'll mow your lawn. I promise. You're looking at me going, no, you won't, Pastor Tim. You don't mow any lawns. That's true. <laughs> a promise is a guarantee or assurance about unseen future things. And why we make them is to, to give people peace. Like when maybe there's something that's causing them a little bit of pressure or stress. To to take that away, to help deal with the pressure. And this series is all about God, the ultimate promise keeper. Like if I make a promise to my wife, the times I've made promises to my kids, you know what, Pastor Tim does not have a perfect track record of, of promise keeping. I'd like to think it's a good record. I'd like to think I follow through on, on most of the promises I make, but, but I don't. And so I'm not perfectly reliable. And that's what makes it so hard in our world when we Talk about the pressure that is real and needing promises to help us get through it and deal with it. Because if we attach our idea of how people keep their promises here to God, we're going to always be overwhelmed and, and have panic and fear instead of peace and faith. So what I want you to see and what I want you to hear and what we want to reinforce along with the promises is a reminder of the one who's making the promises. He is God. And Jesus wants you to know that. 
the one who, who said in this life you will have troubles, remember, I'm telling you these things so that you may have peace. <laughs> but in this world where you will have trouble, take heart, I have overcome the world. Like, when you are under pressure, when uncertainty happens, when you wonder about the promises of God, when the devil tries to weave doubt in your heart, remember the one who makes the promise is the one who came into this world and he has declared and he has proven and he has done what it takes to overcome the world. He's left no doubt that promises made are promises kept. And with that in mind, I want you to Think of promise number one. Like, what is one of the things in life that causes a great deal of stress and pressure? Like, what is one of the things that can give us the biggest blessing and biggest benefit when we deal in a life where there's difficulties, uncertainty, and challenges? Well, promise number one of God reinforces a worldly truth that you and I probably accept and know and have experienced, both good and bad, and that's why we need this promise. Like truth number one behind today's message is, in life, we would all probably agree, not just 90%, 100%, that someone's presence is sometimes the most needed present. Like someone's presence is oftentimes the most needed present, the, the, the best gift we can get. Like, you probably would agree with me. You know this to be true in your life experience. Like, my wife's presence as I walk in the door after a long day of work, someone there to listen, someone there to encourage, someone there to just spend time with and unwind, unwind with is a great present. Like, having someone that I get to do life with, both good and bad, when there's challenges and difficulties, someone's presence is a, a huge present. Kids know this. Like, how many of you remember your first sleepover at a friend's house? Like, it's fun, you're having a great time, you're hanging out, you're playing like crazy. And then your friend's parents say, it's time to go settle down, it's time to go to sleep. The lights go out and you are in a, a different place and you realize all of a sudden that your parents aren't present. Like, no shame. If you called your mom and, and asked her to come pick you up, because I did that the first time, because mommy and daddy's presence was a present. <laughs> like, we get it, right? Like, if you're married to somebody, their presence is a present. If you're a child, your parents' presence is a present. If you're going through challenges and difficulties in life, your, your circle of friends, the, the closest group of people, to have them there with you is a present. Jesus acknowledged that when he went up the Mount of Transfiguration, when he went away to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, he brought his three closest disciples. He said, stay awake with me. Your presence is a present. I know that to be true. There are three to four people who are on my must-call list when life gets hard and difficult and challenging. And, and they might not answer on the first ring, but they will if I double-call them. And if they can't even answer that, when I leave a message, they call back really quickly. Their availability is their, present, their presence. Like, we get this for all the good reasons, right? And we also know it's true for all the bad ones. Like, when that person isn't present. Like when you have to go through the first holiday without their presence, whether it's a, 
a spouse or a parent, their lack of presence when you normally would just call them up and say, I just need to talk to you, you understand the power of, of their presence. When that person tells you, I'm done, I no longer want to be present, and they file papers. Like when that person on your team or at work moves on to a different job or, or retires, like their presence, not being present, has a big impact. Like whatever area of life, we can, we can live through this lens of knowing the good and the bad, but knowing that's true, right? And when things are tough, it's really good and important. But when things are bad and we don't feel it and we don't have it, you know what fear does to our hearts, what the pressure does? And that's what God wants to undo with his first promise. Like he wants you and me to have the promises that remind us of no matter what we face, no matter what we're going to, no matter how uncertain it is, no matter how alone we really feel and how alone we might really be in this life, that he is present. Because the devil would love to rob you of that. He would love to convince you that when it's bad and things are going wrong, that there's somebody who's forgotten to be present. And his name is God. And if the devil can get you to believe that God is not present, oh, it'll be bad. <laughs> it can lead to whole, That pressure can lead to all those places we talked about before, anxiety, maybe even depression, the loneliness, the the running to other things, and God does not want that for you and for me. And just to reinforce this promise of God, I want to take you back to a time in, in history, 1,500 years before Jesus, and tell you a story in week number one about, of promised land when God's people were on the edge of the promised land. Like, remember that? The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. God had this big promise of this land that was going to be theirs. They wandered and wandered because they had sinned. Right before they're about to enter the promised land, after 40 years of wandering, perhaps the most important influential character on the pages of Scripture outside of Jesus Christ himself, a man named Moses spoke these words to God's people. As you're about to enter this land, where there was a whole lot of stress and the pressure was filled with uncertainty about the walls and surrounding the cities they had to conquer, the, the armies that were powerfully trained, the terrain that they didn't know, the, all the unknowns, Moses says to millions of God's people, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Right? Fear and terror are real uh, when uncertainty is in front of us, when the unknown and the future uh, is unseen. That's what was true of them. So God wanted them to know and have a promise. God will never leave you. The Lord your God goes with you. The Lord himself goes before you and he'll be with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. The sandwiches on the end are the things God knew were real, the hearts of his people, the pressure that they felt, the, the unknowns and uncertainty. And so he made promise after promise after promise, which was the same promise. The Lord's with you. He won't leave you. He's in front of you. He'll be alongside of you. He won't leave you, never will forsake you. Like Moses, for those Israelites speaking these words, meant a whole lot. Because his presence for them spiritually was a present. Like remember, this is Moses. Like the man who led them out of Egypt in slavery after hundreds of years. Moses. The man who, who with God's help, 
held that staff high and the waters parted and the Egyptians were drowned. Moses, the one who spent 40 days on the mountain with God in his presence, who came down with the tablets of stone from God for his people. Moses, the one who led them all those years. That's this guy. His presence was a present in their life. And he wanted them to know that that God was promising his presence. And Moses speaking those words is powerful. Because Moses knew that these would be some of the last words that he would ever speak in their presence. Because Moses was about to go up to the top of Mount Nebo and God was going to bury him. Like Moses' presence would never set foot in the promised land because he had sinned. And I want you to imagine how that made Joshua feel. Like Joshua, who was the, the one that Moses had been mentoring, Joshua, the one of the 12 spies who, who stood up for God originally but got shot down by the others, Joshua, the one who was next in line. Like, look at what Joshua heard from God in Joshua chapter 1, only days after those words of Moses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, like the servant of the Lord, the death of Moses, to his aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Let's talk about pressure. Fill in Moses' shoes. You want to talk about stress and uncertainty? Will these people follow me? I know how they viewed Moses and they were tough on him. Will they, how will they treat me? Am I equipped for this job? Like Moses, he... He spent time with you on the mountain, God. Like, the best thing I've gotten to do is spend with Moses. Like, I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> How am I going to do it? Like, who can help me? Moses, I can't call him up and ask him for help. And so what God said through Moses to two million people, God stopped and paused and made sure one person, <laughs> that person, heard the same promise. <laughs> Look at what God said to Joshua. As I was with Moses... Like, I know you know I was with him. As I was with him, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to you before to their their ancestors to give them. I am a promise maker and I'm a promise keeper. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Like God made a promise to Joshua, I will be with you. As you cross that river, I will go with you. As you conquer the land, I will give it to you. I'm going to be there. Be strong and be courageous. It might be unseen and it might be uncertain and you might not know and you might feel stressed, but in the middle of the pressure, remember the promise. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Wherever you go, I'll go. Like that's God. In fact, time and time again throughout the pages of Scripture, God will say words like this, do not be afraid. Some people have counted them up. I'm not sure how accurate it is based on Hebrew and Greek, but by estimations of most English translations, the word and statement from God or from someone, do not be afraid, happens 365 times. Hmm. One time for every day of the week, of the year, every month, 365. Do not be afraid. And you know what almost always is associated with do not be afraid? Someone's presence. 
most oftentimes the promise of God's. <laughs> like, how do you deal with fear when the pressure builds? How do you not lose hope when the pressure builds? How do you find peace in uncertain times, in times of loss, in times of difficulty, when you feel like you're all alone? Joshua needed to hear it. The Israelites needed to hear it. You and I need to hear it. God is present. That's his promise. And I know there are times when you are going to doubt that, because I do. I know there are things the devil would want you to believe about God that he has forgotten that. And when you do, hold on to the promise when the pressure is real, when the loneliness is real, when the pain is real, when the uncertainty is real. And here's what I want you to remember when the devil tries to rob you of the hope and peace that comes from this promise. Remember his presence, literally. He literally left his heavenly home and made a home here on earth. He became present. And for 33 years, he walked on the face of planet earth. His presence was your present and my present of the ultimate fulfillment of the promise of God. And you know that in the moment as he was on the cross, that when he promises what is real, that you can find peace and hope even in difficult times, he overcame the world because he endured the very pain of hell, the lack of God's presence. When God turned his back on him so that you and I would get to enjoy God's presence for eternity in heaven. That, that's what that promise keeper did. He was present. So that you and I would get the present of his presence for eternity. So I want to give you three verses that I believe maybe are some of the best ones to help remember the presence of God, the significance of it, the bigness of it. Pick, pick the one that you want, and then we're going to have a truth before we wrap up today. Here are the three passages. One you already heard today, Psalm 139, 3, and then 7 through 10. Like, God is present. King David knew this. Remember, King David had to go on the run for his life. King David had to flee his castle because his son tried to overthrow him. Like, King David knew difficulties. He faced uncertainty. He, he ran for his life time and time again, and yet he knew and proclaimed the promise that, that God was always present. Lord, you discern my going out, my lying down. When I'm awake, when I leave, when I'm at home, you're familiar with all my ways. Where can I go from your spirit? Nowhere. Where can I flee from your presence? I can't. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. You're there, you're there, you're present. Like, there's nowhere you can go that God isn't with you. There's nowhere you can go that can get you away from God. There's nowhere you can go where God doesn't know where you've gone. God is present. King David knew it. Or how about Jesus? Like, if you want someone to promise that God is present, let God speak for himself. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Three years Jesus spent with his disciples. Forty days after he rose from the dead, he spent time with them. He was about to leave them and go back to heaven, no longer be visibly present. But he wanted you and me, his church, until the day he comes back in his visible presence to remember his promise that he will be present always. Not sometimes. Not just when it's good only when it's needed, but every day, all the time, when you're dealing with uncertainty, when you're struggling with loss, when you've lost seemingly everything, when finances are hard, his promise is he's present. It's Jesus' own words. 
or perhaps the one that we've chosen as the one to put on the back of the card because God has said, never will I leave you. Never. Never will I forsake you. Never. I won't do it. I won't let you down and I won't leave you alone. That's God to you. So can I sum up God's promise this way? Like if someone's presence is oftentimes the greatest present, then you and I have received the greatest present by the greatest giver of it. Here's God's promise to you and to me. Promise number one, my presence is always present. 100% guaranteed, like it was for Joshua, like it was for Jesus' disciples. It is for you and for me today, like it was for David. His presence is always present. The word promises it, and God is a promise keeper. Which is why I want to leave you with the story of two Jakes who needed that promise. The first one is the Jake of the Old Testament, the heel grabber who stole his brother's birthright. And after he did it, he had to run for his life because his brother wanted to kill him. You want to talk about feeling alone. You want to talk about uncertain times. Like, it was so bad he ran during the middle of the night. He was on the road to family members. And it was so bad that he left with just a backpack of who knows what and he had to sleep on a, a stone for a pillow. Like, I don't sleep all at night on a pillow, let alone on a stone. And as he fell asleep on the stone, God came to him in vision and he said, I know you're on the run. I know you maybe have doubts, but I want to assure you of my presence. I will be with you and I will bring you back. Don't fear. Have hope. And God delivered on that promise to that Jake. And he did to another one. His name was Jacob Brug, my grandfather, who was drafted into World War II, who got sent off with the Marines to Okinawa. 3,000 of the people of the Marines who went with him never came back alive. And he left before his firstborn child was born. He never saw him. And I once asked my grandpa, how did you make it through? He said, I knew God was present. (laughs) And if I make it back, I'll get to see my son with my own eyes. And if I don't, I'll see him. That's why the promise of God matters in a life that's filled with pressure and trouble. Come on back till next week. I pray that that promise gives you peace and faith and helps you move from fear and panic. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your promises, which we need so much in this life of faith, Lord. For all the times we've doubted you, Lord, and your presence, forgive us. For all the times we face pressure, help drive us back to your promises of your presence.